You're listening to The Higher Ed Marketer, the podcast for marketing professionals in higher education. Join us every week as we talk to the industry's greatest minds in student recruitment, donor relations, marketing trends, new technologies, and much more. If you're looking for conversations centered around where marketing in higher ed is going, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the Higher Ed Marketer Podcast. I'm Troy Singer here with Bart Kaler. And today we talk to Dr. Kim Kroll and Kelly Snedden from Butler Community College in tribute to National Community College Month. We're familiar with Butler because they do a lot of things that are very innovative. And both Bart and I thought it would be a wonderful month to feature a community college. And this is one that we feel has a lot to offer, not only to other community colleges, but institutions in general. Just in full transparency, I do some work with Butler Community College. And when I first met them, I was really blown away with how innovative they are. I mean, one of uh, only a handful of Adobe Creative Suite campuses in the country. They do some really interesting things with uh, with the students that they have, um, you know, their residential programs and their arts and their sports. Really impressed with them. And so we thought we'd have them come on to just talk about kind of their spirit of innovation and how they do that. Let's check out our conversation with Butler Community College. Dr. Kroll, we from the very beginning, love teaching our listeners something and would love for you to share with us if there's something that you've learned recently that you would put in the fun or interesting category. Well, this is sort of a fun fact, and I just kind of came across it as I was thinking about, you know, what I would what I would tell you. I have a couple of uh, people on my executive team that you know, my candy dish in my office is usually full of chocolate. And one of the requirements is that you have Kit Kats in that bowl. Mm. And I don't know how I came across this, but I just discovered recently that the interior of Kit Kats is Kit Kats that didn't make it, make it through the production line. They got crushed or they got, you know, chopped up somehow or something. They weren't perfect Kit Kats. And so they recycle that material. And that's what we're eating when we have a Kit Kat. And so I'm excited now to be able to tell my my associate VPs that are adamant that we have Kit Kats that they are eating recycled candy bars. So I thought that was kind of fun. <laughs> That's very fun. Kit Kats are my favorite candy bar. And until you <laughs> gave the IE punchline, I was going to say when I come to campus, I'm coming to the candy dish. I'm rethinking <laughs> all of this right now. <laughs> Everyone, we're talking to Butler Community College, Dr. Kim Kroll, who is the president, and Kelly Snedden. Director of College Relations and Marketing. Uh, if you would, Dr. Kroll, tell us a little bit about Butler Community College and your role there. That, that's not obvious. And then after you, Kelly, if you can give us a little bit about your role. Butler is a, an amazing institution. It's been established since 1927. Um, first class, we're, we're right kind of in the middle of Kansas, just about 20 miles, 20 minutes from Wichita, which is the largest urban center in Kansas. And so we're really uniquely located. Um, it's an old campus, and I think the first class was 115 students that walked through the door. Uh, but we are now at, you know, 9,000 students, give or take. Uh, um, sixth, second largest community college in Kansas, 
sixth largest, I think, as of last fall in the in the state, including even some of the universities. And so we're a multifaceted campus. Uh, ages of our students range anywhere from high school to uh, seniors. Uh, commuter campus, our El Dorado campus is really kind of a traditional campus with on-campus housing and fine arts and athletics. And so we have the whole scope of that community college experience when folks are coming for um, certificates, short-term certificates, all the way to associate degrees that'll head them into the workforce or you know, head them to a university to transfer on and finish a bachelor's degree. So it's really a vibrant campus and really, um, really a beautiful institution. Thank you. Kelly. Yes, Kelly Snedden, and I'm Director of College Relations and Marketing for Butler. And as I tell people, the easiest way to describe that is we're the in-house marketing agency. So we're, mm. you know, we're taking care of all of those things, all the, the visual messaging, um, the writing, the press releases, um, publications, web, digital ads, and on occasion, public relations, community relations. Um, that's that's actually you know, a lot of it, too. Thank you, Kelly. And as we go into our conversation, Bart and I were surprised and it was an aha moment where we wanted to kind of highlight Butler as a uh, commuter school that is different than most community colleges because here in the Midwest, our part of the Midwest, Ohio, usually community colleges are only commuter schools. But Dr. Kroll, you let us know that in Kansas that it can be the norm that there are a lot of community colleges that are residential. And if you could kind of introduce us to that and um, unpack that for us a little bit as we make distinctions on the differences between the types of two-year community colleges around the U.S. A lot of the community colleges in Kansas are old and have been established for a long time on their, you know, on their home campuses. But um, all of the community colleges, there's 19 of them in Kansas, all of them are uh, residential campuses. Uh, they may have um, second locations or locations in other communities that may be commuter, but all of the 19 community colleges have some portion of their campus that's a residential campus. And Butler's the same way. The original campus here in El Dorado is the residential campus. And so we have, you know, our athletics come out of here and our fine arts and, and you know, many of our um, long established degree programs, but then our campus in Andover, which is just 20 miles down the road and, and butts right up against Wichita, and some people call it a suburb of Wichita, is our commuter campus. And so we, we have really vibrant um, educational programs there as well, but we don't have student residence halls. We have student organizations there like we have on our El Dorado campus, but the fine arts and the athletics and the residence halls don't exist in Andover. And that's the way a lot of the other community colleges in Kansas are as well. They, you know, they have that home campus as that established residential campus, but then their commuter campuses serve, um, you know, maybe a, a population that's coming and going from work or that, you know, comes in and out for classes and, and lives someplace else. So, that's kind of the common, that's kind of the norm in Kansas, really, um, uh, compared to other areas. Yeah, it seems to me like that, that varies across the country in different places. You know, some are a lot more residential, some are a lot more commuter. Um, and, and I think it's, it, it's unique to me because I think that uh, especially those that are um, residential, you, you might not realize it as much. But, you know, in, in places like the Midwest where we are, Indiana, Ohio, and other places where we don't have that, that seems very appealing 
that a uh, that a that a young college student, uh, you know, someone coming right out of, right out of high school, especially who might not um, be ready for a traditional bachelor's degree or might not be ready or or choose to, you know, hey, I want to I want to get an associates before I finish a bachelor's, that they could have the same experience uh, that 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 traditional college experience that is valuable for a lot of students. And, and there's a lot of, you know, that's part of the conversation around the value of education is is that area, that time of, of growing as a, as a person in those areas. And so I love the fact that, uh, you know, schools like Butler community college that are around the country that do have those residential action opportunities. Um, that's a unique marketing perspective, at least for me, <laughs> not being used to that, that I would love to, you know, understand more about. And, and, and I'm sure because all the 19 other ones that might not be something that you're necessarily marketing as much, but it sure seems like something that going outside of uh, your immediate area could be appealing to a lot of a lot of people. And, and and Kelly, I guess I would ask you: Is that something that that you all have kind of considered? Because I know most schools, we we know the data. Most most students, regardless of the type of school, are going to be within about a two hour radius. That's data shows us that that's usually where people end up going. But how do you kind of look at that for, for out-of-state students and, and things like that? Well, being a lifetime Kansan and being familiar with the community colleges my entire higher ed career, I, I really appreciated that perspective from you all that these residence halls are not necessarily, um, you know, so you're kind of making me pause thinking, you know, are we taking them for granted uh, for those students who do live further away? And the other thing that resonated with me uh, as you and Dr. Mm -hmm. Pearl visiting about that is how how much we see those students change because Butler is very caring and, and, and we really do um, kind of wrap our arms around our students. And uh, as in our department, we have several student workers that'll come in and work with us. And how many times in my career have I seen these freshmen come in and they're very nervous and they don't even know where the student union is necessarily. And they're looking across campus but to put them in that end of that responsibility of, of having their dorm room and living on campus in a much smaller environment where they can begin to navigate. And, and uh, within two years, they're telling us, hey, I'm taking off Friday. We're headed to big four-year university and those jitters are gone. And that's yeah. that's the life-changing part about it. So um, that yeah. I think is, is um, so cool and, and um so you're, yeah, you're making me you're making me think that I've been taking those res halls a little a little too much for granted. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Curl, you're going to add something to that, I believe. The fact that they get to live on campus, that you know, students live on campus, and we have um, what Kelly about 300 spaces, I think, mm -hmm. on campus, 300 beds on campus. So you know, it doesn't encompass a huge percentage of our population, but. The students that live in the residence halls typically are the younger students, you know, the more traditional aged, um, you know, mm -hmm. students that are coming right out of high school or maybe a year or two out of high school. So Kelly's exactly right. It's that population of students that are really kind of trying to spread their wings a little bit and figure out what they want to do. And maybe they don't know for sure what their career path is. We really get to watch them grow and change and it engages them and connects mm -hmm. them to campus in ways that you know, are, are really unique and, and life-changing for them. Yeah, I think that's just such a fascinating thing. Kelly, you were going to say something? Yeah, I, I was. Well, we do say real college, and that is a phrase we use a lot. That is one way we do <laughs> leverage it is yep. you've got res halls, you've got uh, nationally known sports, nationally known programs on a much smaller scale. So you just get to know a lot yep. more people and you feel um, 
you know, you get connected, I think, faster. Yeah, that's great. And and not only that, I think the price point is is something that's incredible. Oh. When I first started working with you is the price point of a community college, but the experience of a traditional, that's what really kind of blew me away. Because, I mean, you know, I've got two two in college right now and two more coming down the pike. And so I, I think about those types of things. So that's, <laughs> yes, that's yes, pretty good. <laughs> Well, thank you for helping us make that distinction. Again, that was something that came up in our initial conversation that both uh, took Bart and I by surprise. But the reason that we wanted to highlight Butler is Bart's familiarity with your innovation. And like most organizations, we had to be very uh, innovative during the pandemic. But then your innovation has continued, and that's something that you lean into. So if you would, doctor, if you can kind of explain some of the ways that Butler is deemed very innovative compared to other community colleges. You know, we learned, as I think a lot of people did, we learned a lot from the pandemic, and we made a commitment, you know, in those conversations when we were in the middle of it and, you know, thinking we were coming out, you know, what did we learn from this that we need to continue. I mean, we all learn great lessons. And so let's not just say, okay, we'll go back to status quo. Let's, let's drive forward and and do some really unique things. And so I, that spring of uh, 21 had student forums and I do um, just about every month with our students on both of our campuses. And I said to the students, I said, so tell us what worked well in the middle of all of this and what oh my gosh, should we never, ever think about doing again? That was just disastrous. And uh, they were honest. And they said that the, the thing that, sh- you know, shown through in all those conversations is keep the technology. We want the flexibility of classroom technology. We need the flexibility in our scheduling uh, because they're working multiple jobs. They were and still are struggling with child care. They're driving back and forth. They're juggling finances, all those kinds of things. And so we really have worked hard to embed some unique technology kinds of things as we've moved forward. Fall of 21, we were named the 50th Adobe Creative Campus in the nation. That gives our students and our faculty and staff access free of charge. College is paying for it. So it's not, (laughs) I guess, necessarily free to us, but certainly free to our students access to all of the Adobe Creative Suite platforms. So they're using it in their classrooms. They can access it off campus if they're working from home. But, you know, embedding that technology um, to really grow and support digital literacy and fluency uh, for them as they move on and transfer or they go to work because, you know, technology is just part of our lives all the time. So that's one example of some of the technology that that we've um, really um, you know, embedded on campus for our students and staff. The Adobe Creative Campus is a really big deal. I mean, I think everybody who's listening to this, uh, if you're a higher ed marketer, you're probably in the Adobe suite every day. I mean, that regardless of the of exactly yep. what you're doing. And I think that that is a, you know, I, I, as you said, digital literacy, I think that's a big part of digital literacy. It's almost to the point now where, you know, you look at the Microsoft where 15 years ago, knowing how to use Word or PowerPoint or Excel was a requirement in, in any kind of field. I think that as our 
culture and everything else is kind of moving into a little bit more of, of, of being able to communicate through multiple ways of, of content, not just, you know, not just a document or a spreadsheet, but now we have to start, you know, just like we are today, utilizing a video platform or utilizing, you know, different types of things. I think that understanding more of that digital literacy through the Adobe platform is, is a brilliant move. And, and the fact that uh, Butler Community College is one of the top 50 schools in the country that Adobe has selected to partner with, I think says a lot about your innovation. And that's pretty exciting. And, and it seems like that's, that was kind of came out of some things that you did as far part of a, a, a forum. Can you tell us a little bit about that? You know, again, the students wanted access to increased technology and flexibility. One of the other things that um, that we uh, had utilized, obviously, during the pandemic was um, Zoom and trying to help students connect and faculty connect remotely because you never knew whether, you know, you were going to have family members at home that were sick or work was going to be a complication or whatever. And so we've continued to build out some classrooms on campus that we call high flex classrooms. We use some of our federal stimulus dollars, again, to try and leverage those dollars for student learning and student instruction, student success. And so we've built out some classrooms that we call high flex that have Zoom capabilities. So again, you know, uh, the, the biggest percent of our students, probably 60% of our students are part-time students. So they're juggling jobs, lots of times multiple jobs, and children and childcare and finances. And those high flex classrooms allow them an opportunity if they maybe only have, you know, 40 minutes in between uh, work schedules, they can connect with a class if they have to connect remotely and they can stay and they can progress through their, you know, through their degree program. And they're not limited then because they can't come to campus or they can't be in class. Or maybe they have a child that's sick that day and they need to stay home with them. They can still connect with class. And so, you know, we've, we're border to border wireless uh, Wi-Fi. And so it doesn't matter where they are on campus. If they're sitting in their car, if they're walking across campus, if they're in one of our classrooms, they're connected. Uh, the, those are all the things that are expectations. And we really know through that pandemic that that was one of the other things that we learned is that we had a lot of students that didn't have access to Wi-Fi and didn't have access to computers except coming to campus to be in our um, labs or our libraries or our classrooms. So we also started uh, with federal stimulus dollars. We started a My Laptop initiative. So our students can use their federal financial aid um, if they're enrolled in a program and they're with us for two years, they can they can get a laptop uh, for $150. And if they're with us for most of the programs are two years, if they stay that entire time and they're enrolled in, um, I think it's nine credit hours, they have this laptop for $150 and they can use their federal financial aid to help them with that, but they can mm -hmm. take it with them then uh, when they're done. And so, you know, we've tried to really create access for our students through some of those things we learned in the middle of the pandemic. You've also deemed this year to be the year of the podcast, and I understand have a wonderful podcast studio. Can you explain to us a little bit about it? My vice president of academics is always thinking about things like that, Dr. Tom Neville. And, you know, this was really his idea as part of the development of his academic strategic plan. They're calling it uh, AP 27, Academic Plan 2027. And so it was a conversation that 
you know, that he had had with the deans and the academic, uh, the academic deans council, again, about creating opportunities for students to learn and practice and use their creativity and their, you know, innovative ideas on campus. And so we have built out a space in our library on the El Dorado campus with podcasting uh, equipment and then a space on the Andover campus with podcasting equipment um, so that they have that opportunity to practice those skills, you know, in a really fun and close environment and, uh, you know, either develop their own podcasts or use them for class. They're using them for classroom assignments and things like that. So helps them again with the whole digital literacy and fluency and, and building out portfolios and um, work and career skills that they can take with them no matter where they're, where they're going and what they're doing. I love the fact that the innovation coming out of Butler Community College, I mean, we're capturing so much of that right now. I mean, obviously the pandemic accelerated some of those innovative thinking and those ideas, but I think that I want to just kind of pause for a second to, to address the listener. There's a lot of things that I think Butler is doing really well that your school, you could take back to your school today to just kind of encourage them about this digital literacy. I think that education is evolving and it's changing. And uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you a little bit more here in a moment, Dr. Krull, about, you know, even just kind of the, the shifts in the workplace and helping with workplace development with, with some of the credentialing and things. But as our world evolves, education has evolved as well. And I think that too many times we, we, we you know, I know it's often seen as the, the ivory tower that, you know, well, we know what's best for everybody. Well, we've got to be willing to pivot because what's best for everybody sometimes isn't what we fully understand yet because it goes so quickly. And so I love the fact that Butler has going to have done this president's forum. They've listened to the students. They've listened to the workforce. They've listened, you know, listening, I think is such a big deal, but then really implemented quickly. So the, the Adobe Creative Suite, the podcast studios, the high flex Zoom classrooms, the Wi-Fi, the laptops, being able to address those things quickly enough to be able to be ready for those needs. And, and I think another thing that a lot of people are talking about that I know you're already starting to look at is this idea of the, the, the workforce development, you know, the credentialing, the micro-credentialing, helping students get what they need to take the next step in their career. So maybe you can unpack that a little bit. Our situation in Kansas and in central Kansas is, is not unique at all when it comes to workforce needs. Uh, everybody, I think, across the nation is struggling to you know, hire and fill those workforce pipelines. It's, uh, you know, you, you talk about higher ed and such a traditional, you know, focus and um, standard in higher ed. And this is really a shift for, you know, all of us to go from sort of that mindset of, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday classes, Tuesday, Thursday classes, and, you know, transferring on and all that sort of stuff to being very, very focused. Not that those liberal arts are not important because they certainly are, but industry continues to tell us we need workforce and we need them quickly. We have to build out our curriculum and continue to look at ways that we can get people in and out for short-term credentials and get them earning industry-recognized credentials that can be stacked uh, and stacked towards degrees. So as they, you know, as they're coming to us and they're working, they're earning credentials along the way that their workplaces recognize or their national associations recognize, and they can earn those and stack those along the way and eventually earn, uh, you know, an associate's degree if they want to. But that keeps them working. Uh, keeps them moving forward in their organizations and keeps them 
um, contributing to the to the workforce. Uh, we have some great, uh, unique apprenticeship um, um, platforms where, for instance, with the plumbers and pipe fitters, um, as those folks are working on their journeyman's licensing or their journeyman's card over a you know, four or five year time frame and working through that national curriculum that they have, once they earn that journeyman's uh, recognition, they can they can take some gen ed courses from Butler if they want to and finish out an associate's degree. Um, and so we're we're always looking for ways that we can support the workforce and they're telling us what they you know what they need. They're involved in helping us develop that curriculum along the way. And um, I would add just recently Butler was um, named a an apprenticeship intermediary for the state of Kansas. And that allows our team to go in and custom build apprenticeship programs for all, practically any industry. So from, you know, we always think apprenticeships, pipe fitters, um, maybe, you know, steel workers or, you know, things like that, but accounting business type apprenticeships now are also a part of that. So it just has opened up so much more opportunity for our um, region's industry and business to collaborate with Butler to um, help them get the people. And then we, you know, we're helping those students get immediate work. And then that training is paid for by the business. That's great. That's great. I love that innovation. Well, Kelly, since you chimed in there, you know, your leadership has done an excellent job of putting Butler as a solution for a lot of people and a lot of communities around you, but you have the responsibility of marketing it, and I'm sure it's not an easy lift. So would like to know if you could share with us how you are marketing to all these different constituencies and bringing the community in to let them know that these solutions are available in your community. Well, there are several days I refer to I'm the queen of marketing chaos. Because it just, <laughs> you know, it changes rapidly. So um, we've got a we've got a good team. Um, I we were just conducting some interviews the other day for some vacancies, and one of the first things I, I explained to these people are: if you come into work thinking this is what you're going to do by eight, and this is where you're going to be on by nine fifteen, and by eleven fifteen, then you're not the personality for this type of work, because we literally have to pivot and change. Um, all the time. It's just, it's just a constant. So we've got our big major overarching um, messages and campaigns, of course, that we run. And, you know, I've been in higher ed a long time. <laughs> so I remember the, back <laughs> in the day when we would just flight campaigns at those key points of the year, and you would talk fall, and then you would talk spring, and maybe you would talk summer, and maybe you would talk winter intercession. And um, now it's fall, it's short-term fall, it's spring, it's short-term spring, and it's summer. And um, a lot of still the winter intercession. So those are like the big overarching things. But then you've also, you know, the, the magic happens when you're working with the faculty and working on their programs. And we cannot market. Um, we haven't been able to figure that out, 120 different programs at any one time. So we really have to pivot and shift there as well. So we watch the numbers. We're trying to make sure that funnel is fat where it needs to be. And we do a lot behind the scenes that people don't ask for. They don't even know to ask. But if we see a data point, we'll pivot and we'll create a little short digital campaign on a program that nobody may even know ever ran. Um, 
but then we watch those numbers and then it's like, okay, that's up where we want it. So we'll pivot over here and, you know, let's give theater some love. Let's, that's what we call it. Let's give them some marketing love. Um, just because we know they need, I mean, we know they need it and we know we can do it. It's just a constant pivot. I'm reminded of a conversation we had recently on the podcast with Luke Phillips from Pepperdine. And one of the things he said is as a marketer, you either need to be best friends with the director of admissions, or you need to figure out a way to be best friends with them. Because, and I love what you just said, the idea of you, you're watching the funnel. And, and I don't think that every marketer out there that's listening today, one, understands completely what the funnel is, nor are they paying attention to it. And I think that's a huge opportunity for higher ed marketers to really make an impact at your institution is being able to understand and talk the language of the funnel and be able to say, hey, where's that data point? I see that. We need to pivot and do that. So uh, kudos to you and your team, Kelly. I think that's a that's a key element that, especially as we start talking about the enrollment cliff and a lot of the challenges that are coming in, in higher education, the marketers are going to have to lead a lot of that. And, and I think right now um, there's an opportunity for, for us to be in, more engaged in that. And so y- you talk about that so naturally. So help me understand how that's set up there at at Butler, and maybe the the audience would be curious too, because you know sometimes at different schools, marketing sits under different C suites, and mm-hmm. and so it's it's helpful to understand how is it at Butler, and and maybe explain how you maybe even do some intentionality beyond the structure. I've actually had two different stints at Butler, so I was at Butler for fourteen years, but then I had the opportunity to also go work in a private university setting for about nine years, and uh, and and you know as well as anyone how different those two um, institutions operate, right? Completely, completely different. And so coming back to Butler, um, it was at a time in in Butler's um, history where they needed that marketing team rebuilt. And so I stepped back in to rebuild that. So um, myself and one other individual um, joined up and we didn't even have, I mean, the processes had kind of melted away. We didn't even have a press release template (laughs) part. We didn't even have a press release template. So, um, but we rebuilt that, but I was able, I was really able to learn so much from that private university and that enrollment management partner that I had over there and bring that back into Butler. So my mind was just kind of uh, wired differently at that point in my career, watching those funnels and learning those CRMs and those constant messaging. And, you know, I talk about, I talked earlier about the big overarching campaigns we do. But oh my gosh, it's it's constant now in all these different levels. So you're talking about email marketing. So um, right at COVID, we went um, remote March 20 of COVID, you know, for COVID, and then by April we were all online as a team learning a marketing automation system that we were implementing, and we implemented that um, f- more June I think of 20. So um, at the time, mm-hmm. I think we were one of the first. We were one of the first community colleges in Kansas to even implement a marketing automation system. And so that's something that that's another beast, right? Once you, once you have that, you have to feed it. And uh, the emails, (laughs) right. And and the amount of writing and the changing and the tweaking of messages for that student at the right time. It's so individualized, you know, the, the students today, everything's been personalized to them. I mean, and they've been on their mom's phone since they were three. And, and it, you know, when it's, it, it's, um, it's, it's been really um, a challenge, but like I said, it's never the same day twice. And if you're caught up, you screwed up. 
And that's been a mantra that <laughs> my mentor in the uh, way back, that was one of the things she told me then. She's like, well, if, if you're caught up, you're screwed up. And boy, I have, I have carried that mantra on for years because <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Kelly. That was a wonderful look into your organization. I'm not sure which one of you to pose this next question to, but I'm eager for someone to share what first year first means, what that campaign represents. It's Butler first because our students come to us and of course they go on, right? They're going on either into the workforce and doing amazing things. They're going on to their four-year university and doing amazing things, but it's Butler first. So we have tried to highlight those students with the hashtag Butler first because you started here and um, were able to achieve whatever that that goal or that dream was. And I'll share an example. So another innovation Butler did uh, while I was out studying the private world, they were innovating on an early college academy. And when that was one of the first things that I just was like, wow, when I got back to campus. So high school juniors and seniors come into Butler, they do a half day high school, half day uh, Butler in a particular career path. The first one was health sciences. And they're graduating from Butler with their two-year degree the week before they graduate from high school. And I just thought that was phenomenal. Well, then years later, you hear about uh, an area university touting their youngest nursing graduate. And it's like, yeah, well, <laughs> Butler first, right? <laughs> right. We, we got her in there when she was 17 years old, 16, 17. And so that's why the university later down the road could tout they had one of the youngest nursing graduates in their history. Um, so yeah, it's, it's Butler, Butler first. And that is a shout out to the community colleges across the country. We're such an on-ramp. We are accessible. We are affordable. And it is not lesser than in any capacity. And I say that with a bachelor's degree and a graduate degree in marketing and communications. Community colleges are not lesser than. Uh, They're they're a different institution serving so many with with the needs that they have. I think to tag on to what Kelly said, you know, that the fact that they come to us first we take that responsibility really seriously and, you know, talk about how, how we're in a unique position to change our students' lives, whatever, whatever their career goals are, and, and we need to take that seriously. And so, you know, the folks around here at Butler will hear me often say, and multiple times in my career here, every single person on this campus touches our students' lives, whether you're actually in the classroom with them whether you're, you know, one of our great grounds people, whether you're, you know, the residence hall director, or, you know, whatever in admissions or advising, every single person touches these students' lives every day somehow. And so we have a huge obligation to make sure that their experience at Butler is good, uh, that we provide quality education, but that we wrap them uh, in support services that will help them be successful. And I love the fact, and, and we talked a lot about community college and, and you know, we're, this, this is running in the month of April. And, and, and I know a lot of people know that April is National Community College Month. And I think that one of the things that uh, you've talked about, and I think is unique about community colleges that I have a great deal of respect for is that you are able to quickly shift to the changing needs of the community and the marketplace uh, much quicker than a lot of other schools might be able to. Um, because of, as you said earlier, Dr. Cole, the, the academic tradition and, and the ways that, you know, that, that, that things are seen, 
I think community mm-hmm. colleges that often are able to shift and pivot quicker. Uh, Kelly, you used that word earlier, just in the in the way that you described some of the marketing. And I think that's not only in the marketing department there at Butler, but probably everywhere on campus is that ability to pivot and shift. And so, uh, we talked a little bit earlier about the you know the the enrollment cliff and just the changes in demographic. Whether you want to talk about ethnicity changes or or even male female changes, we're going to be working with less students in the next few years. And so I know that you all are kind of thinking about that a little bit. So tell me a little bit about how you're kind of working through that demographic shift and and how you are looking at, especially, I know a lot of people have been talking on the podcast about the challenge of, you know, where have all the men gone in traditional numbers? We've seen that same shift in our demographics. When I got to Butler about 10 years ago, the split between our men and women was really, really almost equal, 49, 50, 51, you know, right in there. But we now, over time, have shifted to the point where we're just under 40% men and over 60%, you know, women. Uh, so we've lived through that shift. And, and I think it goes along with, there's multiple pieces that go along with that. You know, there's great paying jobs available. Men can go to work. They can earn a great living, uh, you know, in, especially in the trades areas and in IT and places like that. And, and they don't have to have that idea that you have to have a college degree in order to be successful doesn't exist any longer. I think that there's also a huge national conversation, especially around what's the value of higher education anymore. And maybe, and again, it kind of relates to, I don't have to have college degree to get a great paying job and to be able to take care of my family or, you know, have a, have a living wage. And, and so how do we, Uh, Actually, we were just talking about it uh, this past week in some meetings uh, at the state level. How do we help with the cost of education climbing, continuing to climb? How do we find that balance so that that value is still there? Well, again, community colleges step in and our costs are low. Our doors are open. We create accessibility for our students. We, you know, offer micro credentials and industry recognized credentials, all of those kinds of things that hopefully create still opportunities for both men and women. But again, that declining population of men that we help them understand there is value in education and long term, even just earning credentials will help you accelerate through your work environment and through your company possibly. Uh, so the community colleges, again, are really uniquely positioned to make those decisions, make them quickly, uh, create new curriculum or changes to curriculum that, that will support um, getting those folks into college, uh, creating flexible schedules. Maybe, a, you know, a blocked Saturday class is what they need, or maybe it's a, you know, second Saturday each month over a period of time is what works into their schedules. That's a whole lot easier, I think, for us sometimes to do because we have that flexibility and the ability to pivot sometimes better than larger institutions do. would like to ask both of you one last question, and that would be, what would be something that you could offer as a tip or piece of advice that could quickly be implemented once a listener heard it? And Dr. Kroll, I'll start with you. I thought about, you know, as we talked about this, I thought about this, Um, you know, again, some of the things that we learned through the pandemic um, and beyond the pandemic, we, we have um, 
the students that come to us have significant financial need. Um, and it's not just dollars and cents, but they have food insecurity, they have housing insecurity, you know, things like that. Um, it, it is actually very easy, I think, for organizations, for other institutions, if they don't have food pantries on campus, to implement a food pantry, uh, you know, on their campus that students have access to, um, and even staff have access to. That's one of the things that we discovered, is that um, they're juggling finances and they're juggling money. And so we, we've really worked hard to create opportunities for students to just walk in, they don't have to identify themselves, but if they need something to take home to eat, they have access to that um, personal hygiene products, all of those kinds of things. And so there are things like that that you can that sometimes you don't think about that students may need support in those areas. Um, and that's one of the things that we've done really quickly and really easily to try and create, again, another piece of wraparound services for our students, no matter what age they are, to try and help fill a gap that they possibly have that can help keep them in school and can help balance out their finances uh, for them so that they can they can stay in school. Um, so we're constantly trying to think about ways that support our students um, and, and their lives in, in um, unique ways outside of classroom learning. Thank you. Yes, I guess I would say uh, just the basics of just keep your students center and listen, just listen to them. You know, the president's yeah. forums, uh, your focus groups, they're going to tell you where their needs are. You're going to be able to, to assess the different populations that you're talking to and just listen to them and then figure out how to, how to yep. you know, how to match that need, fix that need. Uh, remove the barrier that would be they'll tell you anything and everything the chicken in the cafeteria is too dry uh to i mean to we need technology in the classrooms right. that and so i love and i love those student forums that i have each month with with the students sometimes i have a group of three uh sometimes i have you know 23 or 30 but uh, it's a great way to engage right away and to I think have them feel like they have a connection um, on campus to somebody that maybe can help solve some problems for them if they if they have some. And, and another tip that just ran through my head is um, I've had I've had some tell me this because marketing technologies, you know, the Martech, it, it changes all the time, and automation and artificial intelligence is going to take it by storm, and and we've only barely dipped our toe, and there are times where I just you, know, you want to go into a brain meltdown. And I've had a couple different people say, just get started. You don't have to solve it all. Just take a first step and just get started and just keep working yeah. it. So, so that is a, a little voice I keep in the back of my head when, when I feel like I, I need a, a paper sack, <laughs> a paper bag, you know, just like, just take one step in the right direction and just keep building on that. Thank you both. Thank you for creating a wonderful conversation about the impact that community colleges can have. But this is a conversation I think all higher ed marketing leaders can benefit from. Dr. Kroll, if someone would like to connect with you, what would be the best way for them to do so? And then Kelly, if you can follow her. My office number is um, 316-322-3100. 
my email is on our college website, uh, but it's kkrull at butlercc.edu. And I would say thank you to both you, Troy, and, and Bart for a great experience and a great opportunity to not only talk about Butler specifically, but really to continue to shine the light on community colleges because we, we're, you know, we're the workhorses and we're the ones that produce those students uh, really that are ready to, to get out there in the world and make a difference. And we're proud of that. I'd love for anybody to reach out at my phone number is 316-323-6085. And my email is ksnedden, so it's K-S-N-E-D-D-E-N at butlercc.edu. And again, passionate about higher ed, passionate about community colleges. That was very evident from the both of you. So again, thank you for your time and the wisdom that you conveyed. Bart, what are your final thoughts? Just a really, a lot of really great conversations here today and a lot of really good practical advice, which is always our goal, as I want people to walk away with some action items that they can go and implement at their own school. I love the fact that Dr. Kroll does this monthly President's Forum just to really kind of listen and, and hear. And I think that's been kind of a, a thing that I've heard throughout kind of the theme of this conversation is, is being able to understand and, and see where those needs are, see where the, the challenges are and, and react. So we've talked a lot about pivoting and, and seeing a need and pivoting and understanding what's going on and pivoting. And, and I think that's what grows innovation. And I think that's what has, has been a hallmark of the innovative success at Butler Community College. And, and I just think that um, even in, in Dr. Curl's last tip there is, is really looking at the needs and then being able to react. And I think that's something that I want everybody to take away from, from this conversation is you have needs at your institution. All you need to do is be intentional about reacting. You don't have to have the solution right now, but you have to at least have the intentionality to say, I'm going to listen, I'm going to find the needs, and then I'm going to figure out a way to get it done. And some of that might be scary, just like Kelly had vulnerably said, you know, this this idea of, you know, artificial intelligence, chat GPT, everybody talking about that, you know, you might need a, a brown bag to breathe into, you might need one to throw up into. But I mean, it's one of those things that we have to just get started. And so I really appreciate all the wisdom that was shared today. And thank you so much for the, uh, the conversation. I am grateful for all of you. So thank you. I also want to express my gratitude to Kaler Solutions an education marketing and branding agency. Andring Digital, accurately serving ads directly into the devices of prospective students and their parents of your most valued mailing list. Consider it direct mail for digital. We also want to thank Rob Conlon of Westport Studios, our producer. On behalf of Bart and myself, thanks for listening. You've been listening to The Higher Ed Marketer. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. The Higher Ed Marketer is a production of Kaler Solutions and Ring Digital in partnership with Westport Studios. Views and opinions expressed by guests on The Higher Ed Marketer are their own and may not reflect the views and opinions of their organization. Know someone who's a mover and a shaker in higher ed marketing? Visit www.higheredmarketerpodcast.com and click on our Contact Us page. We'd love to have you tell us about them. Until next time.